You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Father, we thank you for allowing us in your presence this evening. Lord, tonight I would like to speak on your action that you did in Luke 7. Dear Lord, with the washing when you went into the Pharisee's house and um, the lady came and washed uh, your feet with, the, with her tears and, and um, so on. I'll get it into the scriptures, dear Lord, to make it accurate. But the point is, Lord, we are today in a situation where we're making known the words of God and people are ignoring it. But Lord, there's one thing that they completely forget, that you never change your ways. Malachi 3, 6, you warn us of that. In Malachi 3, you're talking about the time when the messenger is sent to make known that the messenger of the covenant is coming, and that's you, to confirm the covenant. And Dear Lord, it's in this time, and, and it says right in there that the, the people have not put the food into the storehouse, which is, the food is the word of God, into the storehouses, which are the heart of the people. And dear Lord, the people don't realize, you never have changed your way, and you warned them in that message in Malachi, or, uh, yeah, Malachi 3. You, you warned them in there that you don't change your ways. You warned them that we're going to be judged by our word, your words at this time in John 12, 48. And you warned us in John 15, 3, that we are washed by the water of the words that you spoke. In other words, we're washed by the words that you spoke. And dear Lord, there's an interesting thing about water. You tell us very clearly in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, that we are to be washed by the water of the word, that we will be made spotless. And one of the problems that we of this generation have gotten into is that we walk and worship in the way of the world. Lord, even if we keep the traditions, some of the Jewish traditions, if they have them, and if they keep them at this time. For example, when the shepherds or the rabbis would go in, the priests would go in to the temple, they always, or do the sacrifice, they always washed their hands. And dear Lord, they would wash their hands because it was a holy place. And dear Lord, you've torn the temple veil at the price of your blood for us that we may enter the Holy of Holies. And Lord, you, you completed every offering. People say that you didn't complete the guild offering and those kind of things. There, you can argue on that in many ways, but the people don't understand this fact. All your works are done in truth. And by your giving the blood, you gave us the right to enter the Holy of Holies to understand all these things. And we could not enter there to get your words if, we, if you had not completed the guilt offering. And you tell us in John 2, or Joel 2.32 that in this day all who call upon your name which is the word of God, Revelation 19, 11 to 13, will be delivered, which means you paid the price of those offerings. Dear Lord, the words 
cover all things. And dear Lord, you made a very good example of this with this lady in Luke 7. People don't grasp the depth of what you're doing or what the power of your word is. Because even when you came back and you breathed the Holy Spirit upon the disciples in the upper room, you said what they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Sins they forgive will be forgiven in heaven. If you hadn't paid the offering prices, none of that would work. Lord, let us look at Luke 7, 36 to 50. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now let me interrupt and say, the Pharisees are very much like the believers of this day, the churchgoers, the prophets, the shepherds, the leaders. Very much like this because you told us in Luke 21, 34 to 36 that all of us are caught in a snare and we don't want to believe that we have anything wrong. We don't want to believe that we we don't know what the Holy Spirit is. We we don't know. We don't want to believe that, that there are words that have the full measure of the Spirit of God in them, because those words have the thoughts of God. They enable the words of God. When you communicate in the pure language of the kingdom of heaven, then you're communicating communicating to God on His language, His thoughts, in His ways, within His will. It means that you've entered the Holy of Holies and you're receiving the word as he speaks it. And without the influence of the devil, as it says in John 8, 43 to 47, if we will believe it. We will be able to discern his words because you tell us if we will turn to you, if we hear the words and turn to you and ask for you to pour the spirit of truth out on us, then we will know your words. Some people hear the words and they, they understand there are words. But then there's another problem. They don't want to go to the fact that they have to get the spirit of truth on them, which means it comes with correction. Because we're caught in a snare. Now, even if we know the words, it doesn't mean you're out of the snare. Because you have to have the spirit of truth to guide us and walk in the counsel of the Lord, which means we don't do a lot of things we did before. And we don't carry the, the unrighteousness with us. We don't walk in unrighteousness. We walk in a way of righteousness. And we are humble before you because we fear for the fact that maybe we haven't done it right. And we come to you and ask you, Lord, how to correct our faults, how to know what we're supposed to do at this time. How do we walk in the way of the kingdom of God that never changes? We saw the laws of Moses and you said you came to fulfill them, in other words, to give us understanding of them so that we can do them within the ways of, the, of the, how we live, but in the ways of the kingdom and not the way of the world. And you, you showed us this in Luke 7. So let me go on and read from verse 37. It says, And behold, now this is after you entered the house, and you sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city was, who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster uh, flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears. Now understand that uh, in those days, they would lay on a couch. It's like a couch to eat. I was at, invited one time to a 
a meal with a queen in the Middle East. And, you know, she, she was older. Um, she sat in a chair in the middle of a, a, a table spread that was put out on, on the courtyard on a big spread. And then all of the people in attendance, the, the, the sheikhs and all that, they would sat down and I was sitting right across where I was the guest at this particular uh, meal and so I was sitting on the with you know folded knees on the on the ground it was very difficult for me I have trouble folding my knees like we do and I had a problem like that in Japan one time at a, at a very oriental style dinner uh, where you have to sit down and fold your knees and it's very difficult for us because we're not used to doing these things kind of reminds me of what I'm trying to say here. We're not used to doing the way the Lord does for us. There's a reason why ancient ones did this. The rest, while they're eating, to get to the way of the food. It's a very interesting way. There's times you sit, there's times you lay on the couch type thing to eat. But we don't have that kind of way in these days. We have our better way, our fancier way, our world way is what it is. Because we lost what the meaning of that was in those times. So <clears throat> Jesus sat at the table in the first house and she stood behind, his, behind him at his feet. And she began weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. Tears. And she wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. This is great honor and great humility and humbleness. And sincerity. And the people there mocked it. Just as they mocked the words at this day and doing the way of the words. People mocking the knowledge of the words. Mocking it. And Jesus, it goes on here, it says, Now when the, she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Very expensive oil. The smell of that had to fill the room. Now when the Pharisees who had invited saw this, he spoke to himself saying, when the Pharisee, the ruler of the house, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. And, you know, it's when you bring out the knowledge of the words and you don't have a great background. I have a lot of faults in my background. And so you bring the words to the people and they, they just want to mock you. They don't understand that God did something with you. And they won't listen to your word or anything. When you bring it to them in scriptures and you make it humble before them. And you're, you're pleading with them to get the knowledge of truth. Because you know what's going to happen to them like what's going to happen to these Pharisees. Remember that when Jesus went into these houses, he knew these people are going to be destroyed. He knew that these houses of people, the rulers and the priests and all of them, were going to rouse God's anger and be a part of the judgment. And the total city was going to be destroyed. The people would be taken to, to Rome, impaled on stakes. A lot of people say many are crucified, but remember, they impaled people on stakes as well. And then they lit them up like fire torches to light the road of the devil's servant. But why? Because God turned his back on them, which he's going to do now. He says in 
Hosea 4, 6, when you've rejected my knowledge, I'm going to reject you as a priest before me, which means you will not be able to speak the words of God, and therefore you have nothing to overcome these people with. Because when the words go out of the world, chaos has power, devil is going to kill the people. And he says he's going to forget your children as well. Hosea 4, 6. Because you did this. Shepherds today, you need to understand that God is angry, furious that you rejected his message again. You're like the people of Israel. You rejected the words of wisdom that you do not know, and you will not humble yourself to even inquire. And you're waiting on him to give you an answer, and he's already given you the answer. And you won't humble yourself enough to even seek out the knowledge of the words. There's preachers that mock this thing about food. They mock this thing about doing away of his words. They mock the thing that the Holy Spirit even said that, that they have a rebellious spirit when they themselves are the ones with a rebellious spirit denying the fact that they're going to be judged by the words of God, John twelve forty eight. Denying the fact that they cannot discern his words, therefore they're, they're hearing of the devil because they're receiving of the flood that the Lord says is making them lawless, as he says, Matthew seven twenty one to 23. And they will not hear the correction. Don't want to hear about it. And then they're leading their congregations right out there with the goat herds. And what's going to happen with those in the goat herds? It says in Revelation 18, 3 and 4 that they're going to receive their share of the sins. In other words, all this evil that is going to come, the Lord will not protect them. And then they're going to receive the plagues of God's wrath. So they're going to get a double whammy, a double price they're going to pay for following shepherds that are lost. In this household, I wonder how many people responded to what the Lord is going to say. It says, you know, when he says she's a sinner, Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And uh, Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Do you remember what he says in John 20? He says that, that the sins that you've forgiven are forgiven. When you have the words with the Spirit of God in you, If you have a heart that's not walking in righteousness and you are not trying to bring people into the harvest and you're not doing and listening to God at this time and 
you will not hear his words, which Jesus said in John 8, 47, if you will not hear the words of God, you're not of God. Because God said in Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 19, that when he sends his words into the world through his messenger, he says that you will be held into account if you will not hear it. You know, you don't have to, you can hear the message, but you better turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm hearing of your words that are in the scriptures. Pour out your spirit upon me and cause me to know these words because you told us we're going to be judged by your words. I want to know this is true. I want to know what they are and what they do. And do not let the deceitful spirit block me from truth. You know, reason why people can't get the message is because they have not set themselves apart from the world. Have not set themselves apart from the world. And if we don't do that, if we don't get washed by the water of the word, then we will not be set apart. You know, when Abigail, the great Abigail, that says, the Bible says she's a woman with good understanding. When she was asked to come, this was after her husband had, had died, and she was asked to come to be a wife of, of King David. She said this, Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth, and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. If you asked a woman today to marry somebody or a woman to do anything, she's most, I'm saying, I'm not cutting down everybody, I'm just saying, this is a problem. We don't understand what does it do. What does it mean to make bread and oil and give it to people with good understanding? What does it mean to put holiness to the Lord on their pots that you cook food in? What does it mean to give water to a person? What does it mean to give cold water or cold milk to a child? What does it mean? They don't know. It hasn't been taught in the churches. And therefore we do not have the way of the words because what he's talking about, washed in the water of the word, you've got to begin with what they did for the disciples when he's talking about washing his feet because if you don't wash his feet, they will have no part in him. Because the devil is going to test you and he's testing you. And they will not believe it. See, there's a reason why you wash their feet. There's a reason why you, you know, God sent uh, to Jesus to, to Mary myrrh and frankincense and gold. There's a reason for that. They have to understand that the, the, the myrrh is guiding us into the path of correction. To be guided to come to the knowledge of truth. The frankincense helps us to come into the knowledge of truth in our temples so we're thinking in the way of the Lord and we put that on the people. Washing. You have to be washing the other words. Why? That's the beginning. That's the first step. The first step. And every time you want to go to the Word or do the Word, or you have a guest come into your house, do you actually understand why? When, like if you had a Bible study and you brought the people in, give them water in a bucket and, and, and a towel to wash their feet with, why, why are you doing that? Today we would revolt at that. Oh, they got smelly feet or they got, you know, shoes and they got to untie them and they got to take off their socks to do this. But what are you really doing? You're not doing it to make them clean. Maybe they took a bath before they got there. But what you're doing is saying in this prayer meeting, let's come to the knowledge of the words that's going to judge us. 
Do you know that what did they say about Elisha? Elisha had done many miracles at this time in, in, in 2 Kings 3.11. And when they were coming up to the war, which I talked about a few weeks ago, where the, the, the Lord gave the miracle of water that came. Listen to what they said about Elisha in 2 Kings 3.11. It says, But Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, he said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here? He's talking to the king of Israel, the northern tribes, that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Do you pay attention to that? Here's Elisha going after Elijah. He wanted to know the knowledge of Elijah. So what did he do when he poured water on the hands of Elisha? Elijah, so that you teach him from the beginning the words. Here's a person coming to teach. They bring Jesus into the house. They didn't kiss him with their lips, asking for the words of the mouth. Be, be the words of God to come. The bow is the mouth. It speaks the words of God. You honor that bow because it's the words of God. He, Jesus is the shining shaft and the quiver of God. He's the one that enables us to receive the light, which is the knowledge of the words. Entrance of his words, Psalms 119, 130 says, The entrance of his words gives light, gives understanding to the simple. What is light? Verse John 1, 5 says, God is light. And it says in John 4, 23-34, uh, 24 it says that God is spirit and he's truth he wants us he's looking for those who will walk in spirit and truth truth is the words of God the spirit is the spirit that's in them that makes known these words and separates them from the world John 18 37 says that Jesus came into the world to bear witness to the truth and but in Deuteronomy 18 18 19 he tells you that's the words of God that's what he was sent into the world. And in John 17, 17, Jesus confirms that God's truth is his words. And Jesus says, at this time, those who know him are going to be set apart by the words. John 17, 17, John 18, 37. If they will not hear his words, they're not going to be set apart. They're going to go into the troubles. They're going to receive a share of the sins. It is why, he says, this last day's church in Revelation 3, 14 to 22, it says there that he's going to cast them out of his mouth because they're lukewarm. They don't even know they're blind. And remember, people say, no, that last church is not us. You don't understand the way the seven spirits are cumulative. You're part of all these. You were supposed to learn all the way along. And what is the end? He comes to the end of the churches and he's pointing out that they're lukewarm. In other words, all these things of good works, of the ways of the Spirit through all the other churches that he did and he caused to be shown through them by examples even if they didn't deserve it. And he come to this church, and what's he done? He's made the words, and he said, open the door and let me in. The words of God, he inhabits them. Uh, God, uh, 100%, you know, the omnipresent God is in his words, fully, full measure of the Spirit of God is in his words, John three thirty four. But the people won't open the door and let him in. When he's knocking, and the whole time of the day of the Lord, he said, now let there be light. That's knocking on your door. Let there be the words. Let the words enter. He's saying, let there be light. There will be light. He caused the words to be received, but the people won't open their doors and open them. But the words are received on earth and testified to now for 14 years next month. How terrible that is. That they haven't been taught in every church, not even one church that I know of, has taught his words on a Sabbath day. 
And, it, you know, they, they worship on a pagan Sabbath. Even if you worship on Saturday or Sunday, that's not the calendar of God. The Bible doesn't disclose that as the camera of God, calendar of God, no matter what the people say. It's been proven what the calendar of God is. Remember that the Jewish people changed to a fixed-week calendar back in 350 A.D. at the threat of Constantine. He said he would kill them all if they didn't turn. So the, the rabbis resigned and they put in, a, I can't remember his name now, Hylil, uh they put him in. And, you know, he did the compromise. It's is the greatest sin. And then there's people that praise this guy. Oh, he's from a great family. He's this, he's that. And they proclaim it, Saturday is it, Saturday is it. No, it's not. It's not the calendar. We didn't, we, Moses told us to learn to number our days and we refuse. That's what I got to say about that. Now, let me tell you why this is important, what Jesus said here. And why you want to... I just explained to you by Elisha. When he, washed, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Please understand what that is really saying. What is, it's, it's exactly what it is. He poured water on his hands. Because that received the knowledge. That enabled Elijah to teach him, Elisha, what he needed to know. And that's why he followed him and he then got that double anointing because he refused not to stay with Elijah to the end. Because he knew so we taken up and Elijah's up there in heaven as one of the two witnesses that are seeing everything. They know everything you've done. You think the spy agencies in America are bad or all over the world, which you now know that everything has been done, as I've said since nineteen ninety seven. I told you the the you know, the everything with the LEDs basically in it were camera devices and sound devices. People don't understand that. They don't understand that the electric utility lines are an internet for the secret side. And they can come into your computers with the lights not turning on and get all your data and they transmit it through the utility lines. That's their internet. It's blocked from us. That technology was coming out in 1990s, early 1990s for the whole world and suddenly they stopped it and kept it for themselves. And so they, you know, then they made the whole nation on a national power grid came up with the excuse that we need to shut down these dams and everything else because we need it on a national power grid. Why? It's because they had a national spy system based on the utility lines. Go back, you'll find, I'm telling you the exact truth. Technology was there, I was aware of it. I know people who worked on it. So, what I'm saying here is, we are not doing the simple things. These things with washing the water of the word, what does the Lord say in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27? We must do it this time, it's a mystery of the called out assembly. That's it. You have Bible studies and stuff and you don't understand why that's important then you don't understand the words and you don't understand the law of God. Go back, because we're in like the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. You go back to Genesis 19. And I'm going to end with this. When you go back there when the angels came into that city to inspect it, and we hear in Paul's teachings that Lot was righteous. Now consider this. Lot's children became, his ancestors is bad. Lot, yes, Lot knew the way of the words. This is what he's talking about. He knew how to do the way of the words. But it shows in his family life that he had not been consistent in it. And it shows in his family life and his ways that what he was doing was not doing it in the way of the work of God. 
He wasn't helping that city because it says in there, who do you think you are? He sat in the gates of the city, which is typically reserved for those who are the high ones of the city. Remember, Lot separated himself from Abraham and went to the most prized land. And he ended up with nothing. He had the knowledge of the words, but he didn't listen. And even after Abraham had um, had uh, saved him and came back from that, you know, came back from saving him, he didn't come to Abraham and set himself apart by that. He stayed away. He didn't come back, humble himself, and plead for forgiveness. When he lost everything, wives and everything, if it hadn't been for Abraham. And that was after he had slapped him in the face and, and left him and took the greater part and allowed his people to fight with Abraham. He wanted to be better. He wanted to be bigger. He wanted to have the best. Thought he deserved it. Thought he was entitled to it. Thought he was called for it. But look what happened to him. Because he's rebellious is what he was. And he was prideful is what he was. And it was Abraham who interceded that if any of the righteous, if anybody was righteous at all, would God bring them out of there and give them a chance? God gave Lot a chance. But Lot's wife wasn't even prepared. He hadn't trained his wife in the way of the words. He taught him in the way of pride. None of his married sons or daughters would go with him. Only the two daughters that were in the house really had no choice. Went with him and his, his wife. But when he came into those, it's interesting because it shows you, and let me read it here, Genesis 9, 1 to 11. Let's look through it. He says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Why did they come in the evening? See, in the evening of the day, did Abraham not ask for these people to go see if there were any righteous? So he comes in the evening of the day, and where is Lot? He's sitting in the seats. He's sitting out at the gate. Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Was he teaching his household the words of God like is required by the law of God? Or was he seeking to raise his position? He was more interested in himself than in his family. Because God's law that he's made known is in Deuteronomy 6.4.9 and Deuteronomy 11.18-21. He put it into the law later. But these were all things that were described by Melchizedek to Abraham. It was clear. Even Isaac taught every evening he was seeking the Lord. It tells him he was walking in the field to meditate with the Lord until he had a household with, with his wife Rebecca. <clears throat> and then... Now, like Jacob became a man of tents. Why? He taught in the tents. They teach the word every night in their household. <clears throat> so Lot wasn't in his house. He was out in the, the city street where, where the ones that kind of rulers of the city sit. And he, so he, when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Well, he understood right away that these were angels of the Lord. Something told him this. Here they come in the evening time, and what are they coming there? Because Abraham had asked if you can find any righteous, and the righteous would be teaching the words in the evening time in their household. And he said, uh, then I'm, he said uh, with his face toward the ground, he said, Here now, my lords, please turn to your servant's house and spend the night. See, in the night the Lord seals his instruction. 
And he says, and wash your feet that they may, uh, that you, then you may rise early and go on your way. He really didn't understand what they were doing there. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. Because they were coming to get the instruction of the Lord of God. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Because they were there to find the righteous ones. And then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread. Now that's the only really wise, I mean, good that he brought them into the house and so on. But the wisest thing he did, he made them unleavened bread without sin. Because he wanted the bread of instruction. He knew they were angels. When you have an angel come into your house, if you have the opportunity to ever see an angel or know an angel or suspicion it's an angel, if you want to get good instruction, give them the unleavened bread. And that'll get them the instruction that takes you away from sin because you're asking them to give you the instruction because they always speak the words that God has given them to speak. So when you want them to give good instruction, you give unleavened bread. That was the wisest thing he did in this. And they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called the lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway and shut the door behind him. And he said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters. You have not known a man who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you. And you may do to them as you wish, only do nothing to these men. For this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof, to be protected in other words, they didn't need that. That nothing could have touched them. But Lot is saying that's why they came there to be under the shadow of the covering of his roof. But was he really teaching the words in there? He was doing these things. He was doing ways of the words. But he wasn't teaching. In other words, he weren't teaching the way of them in the fullness of the full measure of the Spirit. It was more like this is tradition. It's like the beginning of tradition and you see what resulted in his children that he had with his two daughters when he was drunk. And he let it happen twice. And anyway, we go on here and it says, uh, um, only do nothing to these men since this is the reason that they've come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And uh, then they said, this one came in here to, sit, to stay here and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Now, I don't know everything a lot done. It doesn't tell us here. I'm just telling you for what I can understand from what I see here in the scriptures. This is what I, all I can see that he did good. And he was certainly using the words, but was he doing right in sitting out in the gate speaking the words maybe that was the ministry work he had to do but it doesn't I mean the rest of his life doesn't add up to that but he absolutely understood the words from Abraham he understood the way of the words so he had them but they weren't doing them in the right way or his family would have been affected if he was teaching the words in his household it would have done if his wife was preparing the house in the way of the words it would have been founded and it would have been strengthened. And the city wouldn't be like it is. 
See, the Lord, when he went there, he took on the responsibility of being that missionary of the word to that city. But he was not. He was just a judge. It's like people want to be a judge. They want to be a ruler. They want to give people punishment. They want to give them all this. But they won't look at their own selves. What is their own house like? What are they doing in their own house? What are they treating their own children with? What are they treating their parents with? What are they treating those who taught them with? Honor? Respect? Doing good for them? Loving them? Providing you know, good bread and instruction? Or is it something else? Wanting to, wanting to be somebody in the city? That's what this was. So, but the men reached, so they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and they pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And then they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they, they became weary trying to find the door. See, the word of God, the, the, the people were judged there. And do you understand what happened here? Blindness. What is the blindness? It's the famine of the word. We are about to come to the famine of the word. Amos 8, 11 to 14. And John 9, 4 to 5. And Revelation 6, um, three to, uh, 5 to 6. The famine of the word is about to happen to us. It's, it's, it's imminent. And the people don't even know that they don't have the words. And when they finally see and they try to get in with where the Lord is, in other words, these were the Lord's angels sent with his message, they will not be able to get there. The Lord says that in no way will they understand. And he tells us in Proverbs 1, 20 to 23, because, or 33, Proverbs 1, 20 to 33, because they rejected his knowledge of his words when it was open to them, he's going to laugh at their calamity in the night. And in the, in the night is going to continue through the morning of the day of the Lord for these people who are complacent and wicked. Do not be like Lot. You know, Lot turned back after he was given the reprieve of even coming out at this time. I'm warning you people. At this time, if you get the knowledge of the words at all and you hear the message and get instruction from the Lord, do not look back. Do not turn back to your traditions. Do not allow, you know, when you have preachers who haven't taught your words all this time and haven't pleaded you, with you to forgive you, forgive them for not teaching the words, have not done what it says in Joel 2, 12 to 20, which includes that plea to the Lord to please deliver these people because they haven't been taught the truth. And then Father will hear them and forgive them. But they won't do that at this day. They're continuing to teach their traditions. They're continuing to go after the leaders of the nations. When it tells you in Revelation 18, 1-4, do not do that. They're continuing to not teach you the words that you're going to be judged by. They're continuing to reject the knowledge of truth. And they're continuing to, to trample on the blood of the Spirit of grace, which paid the price that we could come into the Holy of Holies and receive this knowledge of truth. And it is time where people humble themselves, forget about the shoes and the socks. But if you have a prayer meeting, gather these people together, wash their feet that they might be guided into the way of, 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 the, of the Lord. You don't have to necessarily wash them. It's a good thing to do. But if you don't have the words yourself, let them wash their feet with a towel while they're asking the Lord, please, Father, allow us 
to receive the knowledge of your truth, the beginning, because you said that if we would turn to you in Proverbs one twenty three, that you would pour out your spirit on us and cause us to know your words. And Father, I want to know your words. I want to know not just the words, Lord, but I want to know understanding. I want to know how to receive your counsel to do it right and not do it in anger and violence and so forth like the world. I want to walk in righteousness and enter into your peace. I, as a wife, will do all I can to bring forth the words to the household. That's what a woman should say. Instead, they want to walk and protest. They want to have abortion rights. They want to have, you know, equal pay. They want to have all these things. They're all worried about the world in this exchange for consideration world that we're living in when the kingdom of God is at hand. In the kingdom of God, you don't worry about consideration. You only worry about harvesting, period. Harvesting, period. If you're doing the way of the words of God, you're doing a servant's work. Because he is a teacher, a good shepherd, and he's bringing good news to the people, not gospel. Good news. The meaning of God, uh, the word they're using, uh, calling it gospel, it means good news. It should never be translated gospel. It's a terrible word. It misleads people and it's deceptive. And when the preachers allow this kind of false teaching of the scriptures to be done, they're misleading. Some people say, oh no, we got to go back to the original King James. It's the only one that's good. Come on. Yeah, that's not the problem. The problem is you don't have the words of God. You mock the words of God. When we made that known to some people, they just, oh, that's an abomination. That's this and that. They slam the phone down and the rest of it. What a terrible thing. I don't hold it against them. You know, they don't know any better. Their pride and ego is so high, they can't be talked to. Shepherds are so high and they hate the messenger so badly. They won't even seek the, me the message from the Lord. They, they, they don't remove the planks from their own eyes of going to Washington to meet with these leaders when God told them not to or they're going to receive these sins and receive the plagues and they don't take responsibility that all the people they're leading is going to go that way. So what do you think is going to happen to them? Please, we need to turn. We need to come to truth. We need to look at these things of doing the way the words... If it was Elisha pouring water over the hands of Elijah, Why? Why? Ask yourself why. Why would he do that? Why would Elijah let that? You know, I know a famous healing minister with this huge thing. He wears all the white suits. And when he flies around, he has people to go in and wash the toilet seat so his poor, pure butt might not get an infection of some kind. Oh, my. He couldn't keep his ministry going because he's affecting so many people. He's not helping people. God heals people. Because they need it and they believe and their faith gets them healed. But that ministry is not blessed. That ministry is going to come to a point where God, they're going to see. They're going to say, oh, God's out here. God's here. And he's not going to be there. If you go out there, you're going to receive the plagues. You know, you're going to, you can go ahead and go with them. But when the plagues come, it's not going to keep you from it because, you know, you're going to receive your share of the plagues. Revelation 18, 1 4. You didn't come out to the light, which is the knowledge of the words of God. And not just having not in the words, but having the humility and, the, and, and to do good works for each other. And don't worry about what your position is. God will lift you to the position in time when he wants to, period. Don't push him. Don't claim it. Let him see that you're worthy to get to that point. Elisha 
did so much work for Elijah to get there that when Elijah was taken up to do a greater work, then he they anointed Elisha in his place. Father, we thank you for allowing us to understand your word a little bit more tonight. Dear Lord, we pray that this message may be helpful to people. Lord, we pray you cause them to know your truth. Make any correction deemed necessary for this message, Lord. Remove any error. Let your spirit be full in your people. We ask this in thy precious name. Amen.